0: Hi, I'm Marshall Conley, Senior Consultant with the American Institutes for Research, and this is your EdTech Download. Today I'm talking with my colleagues Larry Friedman, Vice President at American Institutes for Research, and Bart Epstein, Founding CEO of the Jefferson Education Accelerator and Research Associate Professor at the University of Virginia Curry School of Education. The Jefferson Education Accelerator and American Institutes for Research recently kicked off an exciting partnership aimed at helping emerging ed tech companies use research to improve products and grow their business. Today we're going to chat a little bit about what edtech developers may not get right about the utility of research and some simple things they can do to start changing that. Larry, Bart, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks, Marshall. I'm looking forward to this, Bart.
0: Great. So, Bart, I want to start with you. Let's start with a little bit of the industry perspective. I know that the three of us and our respective organizations, you know, we know the setting and that studying an educational product or tool as it's implemented is just wildly important. This is true not just for looking at impact, like whether something worked or didn't, but also as a means to gather information on an ongoing basis to improve products and how they're deployed in the school setting. It seems, though, like there is some reluctance in the developer community, particularly in the small and mid-sized companies to prioritize this research as part of the model? What do you think is behind this, and what do you see in the field? Why aren't more companies engaging in product evaluation and research?
2: Many developers of education, technology, products, and services are apprehensive about the perceived cost and time that it takes to do research. Most of the research that you hear about in the popular media is long-term, high-stakes, high-profile research, and doing that type of research can be quite expensive, and almost as importantly, can require very significant amounts of internal bandwidth, meaning the people on your senior management team. But there's a whole other layer of research that gets done, and that is inward-facing product development research that can be done rapidly. In fact, many of our listeners probably are familiar with the phrase A/B testing. This is something that is done now regularly at internet companies where they'll put up two versions of a web page and on one web page the the buy button will be green and on another web page the button will be blue. And of the next 1000 customers who come through, they'll randomly be shown one or the other. Technology has made that type of testing much simpler to do, and the collection of data much simpler as well. And I think that relatively few edtech developers are well versed with those types of research methodologies, and uh, as they learn that it's possible to do small, quick, directional data research, I think we'll start seeing them do more of it.
1: Yeah, I have uh, spent some time working with um, online um, uh, course providers, and they've been doing this. as Everyone has for a long time, and what we helped them to do—I like to think—and they helped us to do because we didn't know how to do it either—was to. Um, you <laughs> You put good research on top of that so we could be a bit more trusting in our answers that would come out um, and we got better over time too the research got better just as the product did. The example I had in mind is we looked at uh, collaborative learning and group work the great thing about that is you can find the examples I mean the data are there they're, they're, um, and you can look in them and you can have a model of what you think is good and you can compare that to it and you can see if there are other reasons for thinking it's good and you can change your model or you can change uh, the way you providing uh, the online opportunities there. Um, and it was successful. And we can do that. And then further on, then maybe you start asking some of the more externally facing uh, questions, maybe with a bit higher stakes, saying we are getting these kind of results. We think they're strongly promising. And then what's appropriate now that we have that kind of uh, uh, data and evidence behind our, our work at the moment. And then we can take the next steps.
0: Thanks, uh, Bart and Larry. That's that's really fascinating stuff. And I I want to hone in on a couple of things, right? So, Bart, you talked a bit about alleviating the kind of tension and 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 um, apprehension of these these companies, these developers, as they as they look at ways that they can address their research needs and. and Larry you made a really um a really clear description of of how this this moves quickly with rigor and so let's when we talk about what these companies can do uh, you know I like to think about this in terms of something that's maybe a quick win for them so so bart you know j e a has a reputation as has worked with uh these these types of developers uh to really focus on growth and 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 really improve their products and so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how that how that works. What's the what's the the cycle look like when these companies come in? And how do you how are you able to make the case early on that they can do this work, they can do this research and it will start yielding some really positive results for them quickly and and help them see that that growth quickly?
2: Sure, that's a great question. And I think that very few companies come to us saying, we we are here because we want to do a lot of research, just because we like research. What they always say is, we want to grow faster, we want to reach more students, we want to have more impact on the education system, and they know that at some point, they're going to be asked for proof that their products and services do what they say, but they have no expertise in-house when it comes to research. They don't have a good understanding of what type of research should they do, what levels of standards should they hold the research to, how long should it take, how do they find a researcher, how do you negotiate with the researcher and oversee and collaborate, what do your data systems need to look like to be friendly to researchers, how do you protect the integrity of your product and have appropriate control over the outcome so that You're not at risk of doing research that accidentally hurts your company, and we have that expertise. We effectively outsource the chief academic officer position to these companies, and we help them figure out what type of research they should do for their current state of development. Some companies come to us and they have big dreams and they say we are ready for a multi-year longitudinal study to prove that we are the greatest thing since sliced bread and we will ask to see their interim studies and their internal research and their data stores, and they'll say, what are those? And companies like that are not ready for high-stakes research, nor should they spend the time and energy doing so. Instead, most companies should start small. They should do what we call rapid-cycle research to validate some of their hypotheses about what the impacts are that their products are having, because in many cases, the impacts they're having are different than they expect, and doing rapid-cycle research helps shine a light on where they should put emphasis for future development and stakeholder involvement.
1: I agree. <laughs> Let me add a couple things to that. So I think the the first thing I would add is uh, kind of exhortation. To people in these situations, companies in these situations, same thing for districts or schools, you know, get in the swim. So I'm going to do some research. I'm going to find somebody to do some research with. I'm going to find somebody that I would go on to say I can have a relationship with. I can start building a partnership with. It. This all makes much better sense and is much easier if it's within a partnership framework. Um, if it's not an episodic interaction with somebody who you don't really know and don't don't really understand. Um, also, speaking from the research side, it's it's really difficult um, to uh, get a handle on. What you're trying to study and how you're trying to be helpful on it. If you don't have that relation, it's on both sides. Both sides have to make the effort. I'd say to get in the swim, build the relationships, and, and get underway. You know, one of the, the key things in getting underway, I think it came out in what you're saying, Bart, is that the uh, the core questions you want to answer at a particular time are just really essential because that, that's the armature that you're going to use to start trying to figure out how you're going to go about things. It's great to have the longer term picture. It doesn't have to have as much detail, but have some idea where you're going, just as you have some idea how you want your kids to improve or how you want your company to get better helping kids improve, et cetera, so that we can you know, look to the future a bit, but we don't want to get mired in the future. We want to pay attention to the present so we can get to the future. Um, so the questions are going to be really, really key. And I think the last thing I would say, again, is uh, certainly one thing I always have to remind myself of, is that it's really easy not to understand each other as well as we think we're understanding each other, and in part, because we have our own languages, so we forget we do, and we don't make sure that we're understanding uh, each other's language, and I have an example on that. It's really easy for me to think I know what I'm talking about when I talk about implementation. They're going to implement the thing, and what might be relevant data that one might would get, uh, what one would get, um, and what would be important to understand where the implementation is going as you want it to go. And I'm consistently surprised at what I'm overlooking and not understanding as clearly as I might. So I I don't think I'm unique in this respect, unfortunately. That it is a shared effort that we have to make to make sure that we understand what each other is doing enough that we can do it well because otherwise you don't wind up measuring what you want you don't wind up studying what you want and your answers when you get them aren't going to be about what you thought they were going to be i think you put your finger
2: on a very important concept and that is researchers and developers and entrepreneurs generally swim in different lanes and speak different languages and don't interact very often in some ways it might be productive for us as a country to facilitate a pen pal program between researchers and entrepreneurs so that they can come to understand more about each other's experiences and what motivates them and what they're afraid of and what they're excited by. So, we have started doing a few things in that regard. One, just here in the Washington and Charlottesville area, having a quarterly mixer for investors educators, researchers, entrepreneurs, and policymakers just to come together and talk about their work and learn about each other. The other thing we're doing is we are building the first ever national database of academic researchers. Believe it or not, this doesn't exist. Today, a a teacher entrepreneur in Minnesota who is creating an intervention to help her students learn the quadratic equation has no easy way to find out Who are the academic researchers in the country with expertise in the quadratic equation? And as you know well, Larry, you have several hundred of the most outstanding researchers, and we know of hundreds and hundreds more, but there is no database There is no easy way to facilitate these connections, and hopefully, working together, we can create some of this information so that the average entrepreneur can find a helpful researcher early on in the process just to have on their advisory board and to start speaking each other's language.
0: Well, thanks, uh, Bart and Larry. Lots of wisdom floating around in there in the room today. This has been a really amazing conversation. We're about to the end of our time here. So um, what I want to do is, you know, really quickly put you on the spot, pull down some of that wisdom. In one sentence, what is your opinion, in, in your opinion, is the most important takeaway for either a developer or researcher or a district regarding The what we talked about today so one sentence really quick bart
2: go start small start now doing research is not an all or none process it's perfectly reasonable and smart to start very small to start informally to start learning to take baby steps and i think you'll find that as you take baby steps you will Learn more about what good research looks like and what type of research you want to do in your organization.
1: I have one in the similar spirit. Uh, They call it R&D rather than D, or R for that matter, for good reason. Uh, The way forward for developers is to get smarter about research and researchers to get smarter about development. And when we get smarter together, the results are going to be good for everyone.
0: On those notes, we'll close out the show. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Larry and Bart, for sharing your wisdom with us today. This episode of EdTech Download is the first in a new series. If you liked it, keep your eyes open for our next shows, where we'll dig into these topics a little deeper in the context of the newly minted 2016 National Educational Technology Plan released by the Department of Education. If you want to learn more about the partnership between American Institutes for Research and Jefferson Education Accelerator, you can visit AIR.org slash JEA partnership. Thanks for listening. We'll see you online.